Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. This, this next segment is, is a very near and dear topic to my heart. I work with, with a lot of young people and, and I don't think people see, see them the way I see them. I'm very fortunate that I wanted to share that as well. So the next 10 minutes are inspired by a fire pit and a whole lot of swear words. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the engine. If you've ever been in one of my classes, you'll know very, very quickly that it's not going to be run like a standard class in, in any aspect, right? So it's not... It's not going to be your standard SAT class. It's not going to be your standard math class. It's not going to be your standard English class. You're going to learn. You're going to learn grammar. You're going to learn math 100%. So perhaps I shouldn't say it's not normal in any respects. It absolutely is. But the way we're going to get there, we're going to climb a mountain, a, a far different path than what you're likely used to, used to climbing. And for instance, I swear a ton. I swear like a sailor. The second you walk in, it's, it's F-bombs and it's joking around and it's, it's making fun of people, making fun of myself. And, and I have a good time with it. And my students, on the first day, you can see their eyes kind of get wide and, and shocked. Like, wait, what's happening here? It's almost like they do a double take. One, one student recently said that her older sister, who was one of my students, came back from class after the first class. And her dad said, well, well, how was it? And she said, he made me a burrito and then made some insane, ridiculous joke. And then we did math problems. And I laughed. I said, yep, that's, that's pretty much it. And, and I love it. I love every day going to work. I love working with the students. I love helping young people. It's, it's what I've committed my life to doing. But not everyone recognizes how it plays out in class. And this last, this last weekend, I was, having a, I was having a fire pit in my front yard with a couple of my very dear friends and, and my wife. And I related this really funny joke that I made in class that everyone laughed at. And, and you know, we moved on. And it was one of 100 jokes that I said that day. And my neighbors and my wife were like, you know, you, you really can't say that stuff. And I said, well, what do you mean? They said, well, that's not... You're going to get in trouble, you know, and it was nothing crazy. It's not like I made fun of anyone specifically in class. It was nothing like that. Um, I said, well, what do you mean I'll get in trouble? They're like, well, look, you, you can't, you can't even swear in class. You'll get in trouble. I'm like, wait, I don't understand what you mean. Who am I going to get in trouble with? And what they were trying to say is, look, in the world of education, when you're dealing with young people, especially this generation of young people, they're so sensitive and they're so... I don't like the word delicate, but the, the emphasis is they're so sensitive and they're so delicate that if I swear in front of them, then I don't know what's going to happen when they go home. And they tell their parents, like, Matt swore. Not swore at me, but he just swore. You know, I might say, you know, damn problem or something more colorful than that, but I definitely swear. I, I'm going to make no qualms about it. And we had this long conversation. I realized it's such a disconnect. There's such a disconnect between this generation 
and slightly older generations, and certainly the older, older generations, like 50, 60-year-olds, this generation of students, 15, 16, 17, 20-year-olds, they are thought to be the weakest, most pathetic generation in recent history. And look, there is good reason why, all right? The whole concept of being triggered, the whole concept of safe spaces, the whole concept of of really, really blowing things out of out of perspective, that's a real thing. And this is something that these kids live with, and, and it is in part them. But I think it's giving them a really bad image because I think what's being asked of this generation is extraordinary. And I'll, I'll explain how I mean. This generation is being asked to act in the most sensitive, most woke and, you know, politically correct way we've ever asked people to behave. And I'm not saying these are bad intentioned goals, right? There's progress to be made and that's totally fine. And and a noble a noble aspiration. But what we're asking of sixteen and seventeen year olds to do is far greater, far more socially sensitive, far more sensitive in general than we've ever asked people to be. At the same time, we're asking them to be super, super tough. Okay, we want them going through more math, we want them going through more science, we want them working hard, we want them, we want them producing the next and the best and, and everything, right? The, the weight of the world rests on their shoulders. And we're trying to educate them and get them to be better in every single possible way. And very recently, I think it was uh, a couple of years ago, the life expectancy started going down for, for older people. I think it dropped from like 85 to 84. Don't quote me on that. But again, the point is we're even asking them to turn around the health of a nation because we want them to be healthier than past generations were. So it's kind of like what doesn't rest on their shoulders? Everything. But these two things sometimes conflict. You have to realize you can't ask somebody to be super, super, super sensitive and at the same time expect them to be just tough as nails. Because what, what's happening is we are asking them to navigate a landscape that is almost impossible and it is dangerous at every turn when i was in high school if you did something stupid nobody knew nobody cared it wasn't recorded nobody got triggered and i i went to high school in the 90s this is not that long ago but i was in class just a couple days ago and this girl said i was at soccer and i was chatting with some of my friends and she's a very good athlete and she's no no bs and they were going back and forth um in a humorous way joking with each other making making jabs but, you know, she's a good soccer player and she's on a good team. She doesn't mess around. So they're messing with each other and then they got back to practice. A fellow teammate who was not involved in the conversation heard what the, these girls were saying to each other and was offended and went and told her parents and told the coach. And then the parents contacted everyone. And all of a sudden, two days later, there's this big team announcement. We can't say this kind of stuff. It's, it's toxic you know, what, uh, I can't say toxic masculinity because it's all a girls team, right? But it was unbelievable to this girl. She's like, you're not even in this conversation. You're not party to this. Yet if you overhear me 
I can get in trouble. Now consider that. Consider that as a young person. I understand in, in, in a corporate world, people are kind of used to this. I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, Soviet Russia, right? Like people informing on each other. And, and I'd have to imagine, again, I've never worked in corporate America, but I'd have to imagine you have to be incredibly political and incredibly savvy and incredibly sensitive to all the things you say or don't say to your coworkers or whatever people overhear you on. But as a 16-year-old, as a 16-year-old, is that, is that a world you would want to live in? When you're learning what's socially right, when you're learning what's socially wrong, when you're making jokes, when you're having a good time, when things are happening fast, to imagine that if anyone even hears me saying this, just banter on a soccer field in the middle of practice, there could be repercussions. That's the world that they're navigating. They know that if they say anything bad, or if they say anything that someone interprets as bad, It doesn't even have to be bad. It doesn't even have to be intended negatively or maliciously. It just needs to be interpreted in a way that could be construed as negative. And that's an insane thing. I was a rhetoric major in college. I mean, I studied ways to twist words all day long. If if that were something I wanted to do, I could just cry to someone and wreck lots of people's reputations. But why do that? Like, that's an insane thing. So they're navigating this incredibly, incredibly sensitive kind of atmosphere. And we're asking them to be, to be super sensitive to everything that's said. And because of that, people just think that these kids are lame. It's not true. I'm, I'm here to tell you a hundred percent. It is not true because they are tough. They're incredibly tough. If you let them be tough. In my class, everyone knows it is not safe. It is not a safe space. It is not a delicate atmosphere. It is loud. It's swearing. It's saying, screw this problem. You know, let's, let's crush it, whatever it is. That's what it's like. There's constantly yelling. There's constantly arguing. And there's constantly learning. No one goes home and cries. And if they do... They have a really weird way of showing it because they show up the next week with the work done and they're happy to be back here. But I think the difference is if given the opportunity to be in an unsafe space. Now, again, let's be very clear in a safe space like a soccer practice or at school. Safe spaces are actually quite dangerous. If you say the wrong thing, if the wrong person hears you say something completely innocuous and they interpret it incorrectly, you're in danger. So let's be clear. The ironic aspect of a safe space, sometimes, obviously, the ironic aspect is that they're quite dangerous. In here, there is no danger. No one's going to get in trouble. Obviously, there are lines. You can't can't do anything crazy in here. We're here to learn. But as long as we're all working in good faith towards that end, this is not what I would consider a safe space. And every student rises to the challenge. They all get in on it. They all start making jokes. They all start making fun of each other. They make fun of themselves. And I lead the way with that 100%. And it's because we're allowing them to not take things so seriously. And I think if you give them the opportunity to not be so afraid of getting in trouble with every single thing they say to, to tell everyone, look, this is obviously comedy. 
This is obviously in jest. You could take whatever I say in here, I'm sure, and write a transcript and put it somewhere and people would be like, oh, he's a terrible teacher. Yeah, you can always take comedy out of context. But I think that's what the world has started doing with Twitter, with you know, any kind of social media. You can take anything out of context and instantly it sounds horrific. We knew that. Everyone knew that when we started text messaging. The meaning of phrases and the meaning of words were lost. Then we got emojis, we got a little bit of it back, but we all knew, everyone knew the second you put something into a text, it was a different communicating experience. And somehow people have forgotten that, or they haven't, they just use it to their advantage. They take something that was said verbally face to face in a group so everybody understood social cues, everybody knew where the eye contact was, everyone knew if somebody was upset, body language or otherwise. They take that, they put it into text form, and then they crucify people with it. That's the world that these teenagers are living in. And it's a terrifying world for them. And because of that, they have to be super sensitive. And because they have to be super sensitive, all of a sudden, they, they look like they're lame and they're, they're being coddled. But it's not who they are. It's not who they are. I can tell you, I told my friends this weekend at the fire pit, I can tell you right now, it is not who they are. They are tough, tough people. They are being faced with an unbelievably difficult task to be the most productive, to be the most capable, yet be the most sensitive. And let's face it, we all know sensitivity does not always lead to productivity, but we're asking them to be both hyperproductive, hypersensitive, hypercorrect. I mean, if you're dealing with a 16 year old, that kid was in eighth grade when he was 14. How correct do you think an 8th grader is? And all of a sudden they're 16 and we're, we're asking them to, to take into account the legal ramifications of every conversation they have with anyone, if anyone can hear, or if the person they're talking to decides later that they didn't like what was said. It's a terrifying thing. I think we look at the greatest generation, World War II, and, and coming back and doing everything that they could to build up the country, and they were great, absolutely, but their task was also very clear, work exceedingly hard, work hard, work hard, and consequences be damned. That was the least political, politically correct time in recent history. The 50s were not, not known for their sensitivity to women and, and race and, and all the inequalities that, that went along with it. They knew how to work really hard. Well, guess what? That's what we're asking this generation to do, but to be infinitely better. And I'm not saying stop asking. I'm not saying the goal is, is anything less than honorable. But I think we need to recalibrate the way that we view this generation because they are tough as nails. If you give them a chance to be, if you let them be tough, if we stop for just one second telling them to be hyper, hyper, hypersensitive to everything, they're the toughest, toughest kids I've ever worked with because they're probably going through the toughest social world that we've ever had.
So just remember that next time you talk about somebody being a snowflake. And on that note, thanks for listening. Go out and crush it.